The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Welcome to the Firescape, everybody. Hey, y'all. Firescape, Firescape, roll, roll, roll tight. We are yeah. in a fortunately... <laughs> edition, edition, edition. I like that. Yeah, I like that's going to... I think we should keep uh, keep pumping it up a little roll, bit. Roll, roll tight. Unfortunately, uh, Peter made a promise to you last week that Wait, he did didn't I? keep... Did he? Uh, did I say it specifically? I don't know. Yeah, we did say it specifically. I don't know if it was you or well, if it was You know how those corns are. But we said uh, that we were going to come to you from the drunk, the drunken hundred, the sunken hundred. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about it. We mentioned yeah, it. The, drunk, yeah. the drunken hundred. The drunken hundred. The sunken hundred. <laughs> the sunken hundred. The Kanschlik Wylod. Uh, and sadly... We are not coming to you from there this week because they are going to be closing. Yeah, very mm. sad news. And um, actually, we were due to interview uh, the proprietor of the place, who's a dear friend of mine, got a very wonderful human called Iltid Barrett. There's a Welsh name for you there. Iltid, say that at home. And um, make sure any food in your mouth is not in your mouth. <laughs> you it will drinking. come out. Yeah. Um, but he'll get to tell that story. But yeah, they unfortunately have had to announce they have to close the restaurant. So we gave we've given him the week to try and take care of that. Yeah, we let him out of his contract. Yeah, we let him out of the come to the fire escape contract to um, have to come here and explain himself. Um, but yeah, but it's really sad news because it was a real focus for the Welsh community here in New York, and I think it's probably a story. It's no doubt it is in a later episode will explain to us. I think it's where a are class, your Welsh classes going to be held a, now? Good story. It's a good question. Um, uh, well, somewhere will be somewhere else, but I don't know if there is. Quite, I don't know if there is another Welsh establishment. I think that was maybe the only one. In fact, I think there's a place in Queens called Snowdonia, which, as you may know, is the mountain range in North Wales, and I believe they serve a Welsh rarebit <laughs> yep. there. But I don't think it's run by a Welsh guy or girl, for that matter. I think they just sort of themed it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's fair enough, yeah. and why not? You know, um, a bit like Welsh Fest, as we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll go. It's a bit of a distance. I think it's in like the edge of Flushing or something like that. But um, well, if any of the listeners know uh, of a Welsh restaurant in the city. That is, that is a piece of information we'd like to know. Or if they want to open one, for that matter. The fire escape is or they the want to host, Welsh if they want to host yeah. my Welsh right. If they want to host our, Welsh, our weekly Welsh lessons, let us know if you want us to come around. There'll be about ten of us um, saying uh, unpronounceable things, well, unpronounceable to your ears, probably, and uh, increasingly less so to ours. But yeah, sad times, man. It was a second hundred, fine establishment, and I think they've just fallen... At the um, the classic uh, New York restauranting hurdle, yeah. you know the, the the dreaded story of the raising rents, which are closing so many places across the city. We were just talking about this before when yeah. we went on air that um, uh, so many classic spots are falling under the knife. Um, Red Hook is a very good example. Shout out to the wonderful establishment that is the Bait and Tackle, mm. which has already closed. Oh, it is. It's gone. It's gone, man. I thought it. um, I didn't know it was gone. And there's a lovely little spot called the Hope and Anchor, which does has this amazing karaoke night, and it's just a really nice bar that's going apparently. 
And mm. obviously the legendary Sunnies is still alive and with us, but only because I think they did a fundraising campaign yeah. to like cover their own rent for a few more years. So, you know. Yeah, and that place has been there man, since, you know, it raises what, a lot like of questions, 60s or something. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time. Especially somewhere like Red Hook, which is not a well-connected neighborhood. I mean, it's no. become kind of cool and interesting. And it is, it's wonderful, isn't it? But it has that thing where it's not even on a subway. I mean, it's a distant spot. So if somewhere like that can't protect its own landlords, you start to wonder what the hell is going on. Yeah. You know, and um, it's funny, it's sad to me particularly because I, I've always found like mo- being between having spent so much of my life in London and then being in New York now that one thing I really noticed going back to the UK now um, is there's this, and it's been the case for some years, but having come to New York, which I feel is this city of, uh, it seems to pride itself on individual businesses, on the entrepreneurship yeah. of individual businesses. And it's really noticeable here. It's really, you know, obviously there are brands here, it's not that there aren't, but within the city itself, you really notice how much it's sort of defined by that sense of independent yeah. business. You know, my neighbourhood in Fort Greene, I mean, there's not a single brand to be seen anywhere. And um, a lot of, obviously, a lot of the businesses have changed, which as rent's gone up as well, but it still has maintained that flavour. And I, only, I really notice it when I go back to the UK because obviously there are independent businesses in the UK still, but particularly in like lots of large towns and throughout central London, like a lot of the main high streets, there's a big, there's a homogeny now, you know, there's a lot of branded restaurants kind of, t- you just see the same, a lot of the yeah. same things everywhere you go and it's really noticeable in the smaller towns around England and Wales and Scotland, you know, the high streets all look very similar in a lot of places. There's the same sort of, you know, sort of middle bracket restaurants and very homogenous so when you start seeing those sort of places here in new york shut in i start to feel i was like i hope it's not going the same way i mean who knows i mean it it certainly is in some ways i mean there's a lot of that stuff i mean there still isn't like walmart which that's cool i guess it's true you know there's target though there is target i guess i found out here that the other thing i've noticed about that in the states this is a bit of a generalization i know but i've always i mean i remember noticing it very much in birmingham when i first went there but and also to a couple of other i guess we could call secondary or tertiary cities or the country that you know like the downtowns often feel like the centers of the cities to me often feel quite individual Mm. You know, that you often notice. I mean, in Birmingham, you probably, you know, there's a lot of new stuff going on there now. But even when I first went there like four years ago, it seemed it, it was there was a revival going on there. But it felt like independent businesses were sort of popping up. And yeah. you didn't see many brand. There weren't hardly any branded places down there at all, really. No, there's there. still, no, there's and there's not still not that many. There's still not that many. Like fast food yeah. places and, and like Chipotle. Yeah. There's no. And if you want to go for the brands, you go out of town to the mall, right? And, yeah. and, and you find them out yeah, there. Yeah, the suburbs have all the. The suburbs have the big yeah. stuff. And I really like that because I think it makes she, I don't know, it just kind of simplifies. It means that the cities and the towns themselves manage to retain a certain amount of individuality when you yeah. get inside them. Whereas in, I think in the UK, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, you do get sort of mole-type structures. Um, like out in the villages yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah they're, they're there. Of course they're there. But then there's still not as many, hardly any, compared to what you have in the States. And, you know, the centres of the towns, the downtowns of the sort of larger towns or whatever, are very homogenised now in the UK. And it's really noticeable to me going to those like smaller towns or larger towns or smaller cities in the States that the centres of them feel like kind of of themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and you kind of keep all the really big main brands kind of on the fringes, you know, mm-hmm. and that you'll drive out to do your shopping for that respect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Long make. There's a weird the the mall, the, mall, the noble mall. The only um, I think it, the the newer, bigger cities kind of buck that trend. Like that's that's the one reason why. And no offense to any listeners we have in Charlotte, but that's my biggest gripe with Charlotte. Yeah. Most of their downtown is just 
It's like offices, isn't Target, it? I mean, it, like a lot yeah. of offices. I mean, yeah. it's where Bank of America's headquarters yeah. so is. So, I mean, like yeah. So maybe it's going big... that way. I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, that was a, I think that was a, a, a deeply generalized comment on my behalf. It's just something I sort of vaguely picked up on. But well, yeah. I mean, it's only going that way in cities that are kind of developing, uh, yeah. new, you know, growing larger at a very rapid pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that. So because in the UK, I think it's very much down to rents. You know, for example, that there's yeah. there's like an ongoing thing with a recent with the current uh, Tory government, which is, if I remember correctly, is about business rates. Well, it's, yeah. it's some thrilling conversation. Let's talk about business <laughs> rates, and I think you know it's what their equivalent of you know you, the business gets charged to be a business in a place, and you have to pay it to the government. I thought it's a tax, and that it's just gone up in enormous amounts. So independent business is just like we can't survive, and then the only people who can survive are these very like you know large scale chain. Yeah. institutions mm-hmm. can come in and cover those sort of costs um, so yeah I don't, and I know no more than that that's all I have to offer on that subject <laughs> we'll get an economist on at some point in the One future to really, uh, to really delve we probably won't <laughs> we might not it's done. we might we not might be won't. interesting we probably if they have good stories that. you know yeah. I don't know how you'd have good economic stories but such a thing you know. probably exists yeah but anyway, where, how do we get onto that? Oh yeah, Sunken Hundred closing. Sunken Hundred, yeah. yeah. The yeah. only Welsh restaurant in New York is closing, and we mourn it. But hopefully, it might rise again from the ashes, and like a phoenix, like a Welsh phoenix. If they wanted to just start serving food out of our living room, they they probably won't be able to do that. But oh, they're certainly welcome to. But yeah. it'd be nice to it if they offered. Yeah, if they wanted to come around and give you a Glamorgan sausage, and that's, that's right. That's not a Love euphemism. <laughs> Oh man, where are you going to watch the rugby games? And you know, yeah, exactly. When am I going to watch the rugby games? When am I going to watch it this weekend? Rugby you know? matches. Yeah, yeah man. who's coming up this weekend? Uh, who's coming up this weekend? I'm having a massive brain fart. Uh, I think it might be Wales Ireland this weekend. Oh, yeah, big match. Yeah. So uh, are they uh, a Celtic battle? Yeah, they wouldn't say that. I mean, there was always rivalry. Yeah, you know, but it's nothing like Wales England, which yeah, was that's the, the weekend one. before last, and that was the big one, and we lost. We got a bit of a pasting. It's fair to say. Mm. Uh, I heard that. So the, uh, an interesting thing about like Wales Wales rugby matches or Wales you know whatever mm-hmm. matches anything that so like when you sing the the Welsh national anthem as a child don't different you learn different parts or different harmonies oh, and like uh, and things know, yeah. like that I don't know I, I, I just, just was purely exposed that. to that through going to rugby games so I didn't get taught it separately yeah. And in fact, I can. But do you hear the people singing like oh, you harmony mean, singing, parts and harmony stuff lines like that? in the stadium when it's yeah. sung? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I because mean, people com- like grew up singing their their oh, like, part. Everyone like, learns in, one part, yeah. and then when you're at a when match, everyone's the it's, full thing comes together. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, there's oh, actually, that's awesome. There's actually nothing that. like it. I mean, it's like one of the wonders of the world that I'm concerned. If you go into the, um, if you go to the what is called the, now the Principality Stadium or the Millennium Stadium, it was, was called, but and before the that, Willennium Stadium, the, uh, Will-inium. the Wales Ennium Stadium, uh, it was, um, and before that was called the Arms Park, Cardiff Arms Park, which was now the name of the adjoining ground for Cardiff Rugby Club. But um, if you went there for the national get for the internationals, you know the there's just the singing is just off the scale. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like a choir, full on choir of eighty thousand people. And um, and also the Welsh National Anthem, I think, <laughs> obviously I'm biased, but uh, it's like one of the finest. And I mean, it's a really beautiful piece of music. Like it's deeply stirring. It's mm-hmm. like it's really tremendous. And it's so it's just you know when you go there and you have someone who's from the opposing side with you. As a, so I was there last year, and my friend Philip Marshall, but shout out to oh, Phil, yeah. one of, Phil. Uh, uh, who's an Irishman through and through from Dublin, and um, so we went to see Wales Ireland in Cardiff last year. And you know he's obviously the. Uh, 
the competition for the day, but he's also a musician, but he was just saying at the time, you know, hearing the, the national anthems there, it's just it's something else. It's, it's crazy. And you do, yeah, you hear the harmonies. And um, and also pre the game, there's always just lots of singing for the hour before kickoff. There's like always a um, male voice choir on the ground. Yeah. Of like, you know, like a hundred old boys in blazers and a full brass band and wow. a choir master. And he like, if you get there an hour before, there's just loads of singing, mostly of Tom Jones songs and hymns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, well, for real. And you go there and like, dude, you know, the you get in there. Like sing, yeah, yeah, man. And there'll be some like, everyone will just be there singing, you know, some hymns, you know, um, Come Ronda and uh, like the famous ones, but also What's New Pussycat? <laughs> what's New Pussycat? Yeah, what's New Pussycat? Um, or Delilah, really. I mean, Delilah is the one that everyone will be singing. I think yeah. my favorite whoa, is, whoa, 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 whoa. is that when they start doing their like, I don't know if this is more in uh, rugby or more in you know for the football games or whatever. But when they do the uh, they do all these little chants, you know, these little quick like oh, that's much know. more soccer. Yeah, I mean, you do get some chants in. Is rugby, it more of a soccer really, thing? Oh, such a soccer thing. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I love those. I love like how many of them there are. They're kind of like you get kind of nasty. Yeah, yeah really nasty. <laughs> I mean, I used to go to uh, in North London. Um, I was a, well, a lot of weird like polka. Yeah, my local. Right? Yeah, my local team was. I mean, I grew up about a mile away from Arsenal, from the Arsenal, mm-hmm. um, in Highbury, and and I was when I was a kid, I was a junior gunner, which so the Gunners is the nickname for the Arsenal, as some of our listeners may know, but you guys may not be aware. But um, that's their nickname um, in the Premiership, the Gunners, and um, I was a junior gunner, which means I was like a kid member of the club. And they oh, used yeah. to have a um, a separate enclosure. They may still do, actually. I'm about out of touch. But um, they used to have a separate enclosure in the old ground in Highbury. It's now um, the Emirates Stadium. They built a new stadium nearby. Um, but in Highbury, it was an old stadium right in the middle of a really residential area. So we'd walk down these sort of uh, residential streets and there'd be the stadium there. And, um, and you'd walk in... Uh, and they had this whole separate enclosure for kids, and you'd, it would just be kids in there. So they'd just be really? like a thousand kids. Wow! <laughs> yeah, it was just mad. And all those like all those chants would be being chanted out by ten-year-olds as much <laughs> as the adults. You know, and some really filthy language was being exchanged. It's interesting actually because I used to go between the two, right? So I'd, I'd watch, I'd go and watch the Arsenal in the football. Um, but also I'd then be going to Wales all the time with my mum and dad and we'd go and see Wales in the internationals but also see um, my uncle used to be the team doctor for a rugby team called Neath in the Valleys which is near a place called Port Talbot Neath as you'd say Neath so that was the chant for Neath so when you go and see Neath play rugby you just see their, you just, their supporters would just go Neath, Neath, Neath like that <laughs> simple straight to the point roll. Neath, Neath, Neath roll, roll uh, yeah, brutal um, but I've moved between the two cultures, you know, and you go to yeah. a soccer match, as you guys say, or we'd say football match, and um, and you'd just be exposed to, like, dare I say it, like, verbal violence. You yeah. know, like, people don't hold back, you know. And it's, like, really tribal soccer as it is worldwide, but particularly in the UK, it's still, and, like, in the 80s, when I was a kid going to those matches, there was still a really big problem with hooliganism. And, yeah, like yeah. That. and it was violent, man. I remember seeing, I'd come out of the matches, and I, my parents would pick me up, or friends of friends, and you'd see people just, like, fighting in the streets yeah it was just standard and uh not to romanticize it i just remember it you know it was weird and um but yeah you get lots of very fruity chants i mean i don't watch a huge amount of football anymore so i couldn't uh summon any to memory yeah i do remember one when i was a kid that the manager of arsenal at the time was called george graham who notoriously i think got sent down or he got he was accused of taking bungs you know, taking money uh, right, for transfers and stuff like that, I think. But he was, the Arsenal, because they were a red kit, they were known as George Graham's Red Army, the Red Army. Yeah. So there just used to be this chant that occasionally would like come up around the ground. They'd just go, George Graham's Red Army. 
like that. Just real fast? Yeah, just real fast. Georgia Gomes Red Army. How did they coordinate <laughs> it? Like, did they all do it at the same time? Someone would just start it, I think. Oh, I don't know. I can't yeah. remember, you know. Someone would just start it. And then you just hear, like, suddenly then, like, 200 people just go, Georgia Gomes Red Army. Like that. And you'd be like, huh. You know. <laughs> And then, you know, as of course was traditional at the time in soccer, just also a lot of really nasty, virulent yeah. racism and casual hate, you know, being bandied around. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Yeah. But you go to a rugby match and there's literally none of that. Well, there didn't used to be. And there is, you know, everyone just sits side by side. Yeah. You're sitting next to a, you, I went to Wales, Scotland before I came back and you're, I was sitting next to three men in kilts, you know. Yeah. There's no acrimony. That would, like, you, literally, that would never happen in football in, it, in the UK. The, the yeah. away supporters, as they're called, are, in, are kept in a separate place and they're surrounded by police and stewards. Sure, yeah. So they don't fight. Still, to this That's like northeastern, uh, northeastern American football fans. Like, That's right. Packs and, yeah, like and the Packer, Vikings. Packers fans, Vikings fans, Bears yeah, fans. Middle I mean, fans. you know, there's a whole... You could devote an, an entire podcast series to talking about, like, and I'm sure they exist, like English soccer... In, well, the, in that era and hooliganism and all that stuff. I mean, you know, it's, you know. Joe, so we had Joey Scarborough on the show. Yeah. Remember? And his dad, Joe, has just, I mean, I guess fairly recently, it's only three or four episodes out, um, yeah. released that show on like English soccer because they're big Chelsea fans. This is football. Oh, they're they Chelsea. Football. Yeah. They're the Chelsea, the scum. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm not sure I would have interviewed him if I'd known. <laughs> 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 well, Chelsea is really interesting. Like the old cliche, like especially on Oxford fans, you know, they're from West London. So, like, London is very parochial in that respect. Yeah. I think uh-huh. far more parochial than New York, you know. I always used to have this sense, you know, I grew up in North London, I never went south, you know, and it was like South London sort of dangerously close to France, you know, you just wouldn't get down there. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, what's going on down there? And actually it became such a thing that then when I did start venturing there when I was a teenager and into my early 20s, I actually would genuinely feel like a creeping sense of existential unease when I'd be in South London. I'd be like, I'm not sure about this. (laughs) Where am I? I'm in Penge or whatever, Mm. you know. And mm. uh, but yeah, the Chelsea—they used to have a real—they were fearsome reputation back in the day. Well, I think that was New York definitely still has that, but just specifically for Staten Island. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, step, you step foot off the ferry and say, mm, "Don't go there." Staten Island went for Trump, man. Yeah, yep. that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean that's just like that's the most—that's the only thing you can that I can like. I've never been there. I have no idea. This is this is me saying, but I just feel like I would have an existential crisis. Think, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. New Jersey. Basically, I've stepped off the ferry twice, and I I said, did it feel like New Jersey? I just I just said no, oh, not but, in Staten Island. No, I'm saying did Staten Island feel as South London feels like France? Does Staten Island just kind of feel like New Jersey? I would say worse. Worse, Ooh, worse than wow. France. That's quite something coming from America. New Jersey. You know? <laughs> worse than New Jersey. I've had to say worse than France. <laughs> yeah, I've had some. I've had fun, you know, in in New Jersey. Uh, Staten, Staten Island. Island. I've been to Staten Island once. So. I just I'd like to say hello to any of our Staten Island listeners, and I'm sure this isn't reflective on the entirety of the society there. But I've been there once, and it was in 2008, and I went with a friend of mine from London, so we got the ferry, yeah, and we we got off and we took a little wander down a road, and we saw a stabbing. And then, uh, and then we were like, right. and then we're like, I think maybe we're gonna get the ferry back. Stabbing Island, mm-hmm. Stabbing Island. Yeah, it was quite I, a minor stabbing. It was just some school kids outside the restaurant, but you know, still it was a stabbing. And I remember we actually received it quite calmly. We were like, huh. Hmm. Oh, look, look at that. And the uh, police are there. Some, there's some blood on that guy's leg. And um, I think maybe, maybe. Ready to go home? I'm ready to go home now. Yeah. yeah. We've had our coffee. Yep. <laughs> We've seen Staten Island. Off we go. Eesh. Yeah. Well, and, and well, I want to say, I'm pretty sure Joey's 
Chelsea. That's yeah, right. Isn't Chelsea. It? Yeah, yeah okay. the Chelsea. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want to mess that up. I, I sort of thinking. But they're to their like the um the notor the, the Chelsea fans, as in you know in the era of hooliganism and stuff like that, which is not that era. They were known as the Chelsea Headhunters. Yeah, that was the name of their crew. I well, think. Well, if well, I remember correctly, we could like talk. Maybe Joey could educate me. I'm not actually that well versed. He knows a terrifying amount about that stuff. About the Chelsea. It's just like there. He knows. It's seeming like almost unending amount. It seems like you know. Yeah, man. Um, Brings out the primal passions. Yeah. The, uh, For any of the listeners, you know, big ups. Go check out uh, this is football. If you're into that stuff, it's yeah. a new show. Joe's like it's a big passion project for Joe. You know, Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe. Um, and it's kind of a fun side to see Joski of that guy. You know, like really getting into that stuff. It's super weird because you know there's a lot of like passion involved in like. Uh, like college football and stuff for the South, but it's definitely, I mean, it's not that there's no violence, but it's definitely the, like people think of it as because the violence is the most embarrassing type of violence. Like people, it usually involves man shoots other man drunk, drunkenly arguing over this thing. That guy got stabbed in the balls in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like it's a very, very, or yeah, uh, Harvey Updike, who poisoned, uh, yeah. there's like these famous oak trees in oh, yeah, Auburn, you told me that and story. he just poisoned them. <laughs> Too much uh, bad, man. Yeah, just, you know, like stuff, like stuff like that. I was going to poison your tree, but there aren't that many. Like there aren't really fights. Like even I mean, in Iron Bowl, well, like I never really saw. Like unless like people are excessively drunk and they're fighting about something. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's, it's never are, really related to. There football. are definitely fights, but it's just not a part of the culture of it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, where, where it seems where like so, oh, man, soccer definitely. is a part of yeah. the thing, and that's not well, to denigrate no, no, soccer it is. fans, it is, but it is. I think it absolutely is. There's like you know, you see stand-up comedians making gags in the UK about like what's going on with like with, with football fans because you, you know, in many respects, you're just like, wow, there's like seventy thousand clinically depressed people standing in a stadium <laughs> screaming hate at each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. But then there's also like that's one way to look at it, but also there's a certain license to it. You know, some people make the argument like it's a place where you have license to do that, but yeah. it's not really meant. You know, it's sort of, so there's that sort of tribal energy that has a place. Sure, you know? yeah. And I think I can understand that to agree. Do you know what I mean? But but then that said, they, you also just see it when you're there. I mean, last time I went to an Arsenal match, I was like, sitting in the, you know, what they call like the prawn sandwich seats where you kind of, there's a certain amount of hospitality. Yeah. And I got, when there was a guest of somebody. And so there's all these like fairly well-to-do people like looking fairly well-to-do. And you think there's not going to be any sort of nasty vitriol. And it was like a fairly uninteresting match it wasn't like Arsenal Tottenham which is the big derby yeah. you can oh I just watched really, that game yeah where day. things can get really shirty you yeah know? and uh, but um, it was some very sort of I'm not particular that's the reason why I got a ticket because you know, the other people didn't want to go and uh, but you know the the rival team scored whoever they were and there was someone from the rival supporters sitting in these like you know three terraces of like, on the third level of you know relatively posh seats they kind of cheered and I just remember vividly seeing like a group of people like grown men who should have known better do you know what I mean who are like wearing suits and you're making assumptions of like they're probably fathers and you know they're yeah. football you know literally standing up and just like you know like pure hate Blue Knight, just like you fucking, you know, just like really, like really going, going. fucking going for them. Pardon my French listeners, and um, but you know, just to illustrate it, and I just remember sitting there being like, "This fucking weird, dude. Like, this is yeah. completely unnecessary. <laughs> like, what you, what's being gained here? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's the part of it that like, those were the only because you know the college kids, you know, you'll see that like people screaming at each other, whatever, in football, you know, in American football. It was the the few times that I would see like. A grown man, red faced, oh yeah, screaming at like 
clearly college kids or you know or, or another grown man that's where i'm like yo man like y'all are fighting about 18 year olds right now yeah it's like you need to relax it's like crow, crow the fuck up my yeah, like <laughs> my favorite response is and, and this is kind of like grown to other places is west virginia west virginia university when they win it doesn't matter if it's football basketball soccer like yeah softball if when they have like a big victory their like way of celebrating is to burn couches they burn it. <laughs> go out into the night. They take old couches and they just light them on fire in the street. Yeah, burn a couch. Yeah, classic. <laughs> classic. Go, 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 ears. You know, go Alabama doesn't have one of those. I don't think, do we? Uh, ale- I have to. Say, I have to say, allegedly, allegedly, Tyrone Prothrow burned a couch after we won the 2009 national championship. Well, at least he didn't poison a tree. And he alleged allegedly lived next to. I'm saying allegedly a lot and trying, to, you know, just to like. Don't sue. I don't know what the statute of limitations is, Tuscaloosa Police Department. I also don't think any of them are listening, but I don't think so. Just allegedly, I'm not telling you that Tyrone Prothrow definitely burned a couch in his front yard <laughs> after the night after the uh, 2009 national championship. But a couch is he from Virginia? No. Why'd he burn a cow? I just, don't know. Well, he just heard. Because like, you know, it's, it's a good like, thing. You it's know, like general like, hysteria. You know, it's like well, just, idea, I started doing it in catch. Iowa. They started doing it in Idaho now. Oh, like, I see. It's spreading. Like, that guy's spreading, burning man. a cow. Well, I'm just saying Alabama like institutionally doesn't have a like rolling tumors corner like the fools over at we Auburn. We sing Rammer Jammer. Yeah, we sing Rammer Jammer. Yeah, we have like our football do. style song. Yeah. You know, like English football style. You know, do you know Rammer Jammer? No. Rammer Jammer? What is that? I have no idea what it is. Uh, wow, man! I didn't. I can't believe you never heard Rammer. I never heard of Rammer. Jam. We, Educate we, me. We I'm play some, like, we play yeah. some uh, loud horns and then chant. Ba, 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 hey, ba, ba. whatever the mascot is, or uh, in the case of Auburn, we say Auburn because oh, yeah. we say "Hey Tigers" for LSU, or "Hey okay. Vols" for Tennessee, uh, yeah. or whatever. And then what do you say after that? Uh, we, do it. we just beat the hell out of you, Rammer Jammer, Yellow Hammer, give them hell, Alabama. Oh, great! That's a great show. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. And then anytime Dixieland Delight plays by the band Alabama, we yeah we show chant, our asses we, we a little chant, bit. We chant obscenities. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's, Rama Jamma, it sounds awesome. Yeah, it just reminds me that I mean the only American chant I think I'm aware of is the one in Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the at the baseball game. You know, when the two are sitting in there and they just go hey, showing Kennedy, 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 Kennedy's a wing, yeah, that's a classic. And you I know? never knew what that was, but I know it. Pepper. Hog, so I saw Isn't that what you call it? Pepper? Yeah, Pepper. you know, just give, just a little... Kennedy, 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 obviously is referring to Kennedy, and I imagine it's going swing, as in swing the bat, or something like that. No? Yeah, yeah, swing... Well, it's it's yeah. to throw the batter's bat, rhythm batter, off. Swing, batter. Right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. like batters have like a rhythm going up to the, the plate, and like yeah, it's just to throw their rhythm off. Hey, batter, batter, batter. I mean, I can remember swing, playing batter. Little League in all... Like, in, at least in Little League, definitely not in bigger games than I reckon, but... They have all of those signs around the, the field that says no pepper. No yep. pepper. No pepper. Hey, yeah. but, but, but. I mean, I just, basketball has a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Well, especially well, like college and high school basketball. Because you can just you like, like a student be section. there. Yeah. You're right there next to them. I mean, you know, I mean, you've got to give credit where credit is due. That's pretty good. Hey, it sounds kind of, it's like a song. Hey, but, 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 oh, yeah. but, it's better than neath, neath, neath. I mean, I'm fond of neath, <laughs> neath. 
put a. I mean, that, that kind of does the job. It's a little though. tribal and it worry tribal, sounding. Yeah, because yeah. Neath also as a team, they don't exist anymore because the Premiership Rugby, all the teams have become amalgamated in, in yeah. Wales and in England. So there's a different different team names now. But in the amateur era, because rugby is only relatively recent in terms of profession as a professional sport. I mean, it was played at a very professional level, but it, people weren't being paid. You had other jobs, and then you play rugby. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it would be people would be like a policeman and then an accountant, like American rugby. softball. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Or like and, football, um, but they'd still, but they'd play, at, they'd play at an international <laughs> level, you know. But it was just not professionalised in terms of it being a full time job. But, yeah. but that was that era of the game in South Wales. And Neath were they looked like the um, the New Zealand All Blacks, you know. Their, their yeah. kit was all black, yeah. and the Neath ground. And I've God, I am forgetting the name of it. It had it had a very intense name, something like the Den or something like that. Yeah, and. Um, but I would only ever go there kind of, you know, during the season, which is the winter months in South Wales. It's fair to say that's what the time is mostly quite grey and quite wet. And, uh, you know, so seeing these like 15 huge hulking dudes like, dressed entirely in black, <laughs> covered in mud. And then you've got yeah. thousands of people around this sort of like misty, low slung stadium in a small, like old industrial town in South Wales just going... Yeah, it's terrifying. Certain, has a certain primal power. Totally. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Speaking of primal power, so you know how Russia um, got disbarred from playing, uh, from, you know, like officially competing in the Winter Olympics? Uh, you know, so all of the athletes are, you know, have OAR, Olympic athlete from Russia. Um, oh, in the because, Winter Olympics because of the doping scandal. So they're not representing... Not representing Russia. They're they just could, independent they're allowed, athletes. They're allowed to compete. Olympic athlete from Russia. Um, but so they can still win, like, place and medal and stuff? Yeah, it's just the they Russian just, national anthem won't play. Russia it's just doesn't get any credit. Play. Yeah, yeah, nothing about Russia. Yeah, they're just individually... It's just sort of I didn't know that. It's sort of Olympic shaming. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, one of those Olympic athletes from Russia... Got caught doping. No, mm. alleged. I mean, you know, like that's the thing. He so tested positive for something. Guess what sport? Um, this is the Winter Olympics. I'm yes. going to say hurling. I'm um, curling. Curling. I mean, curling. yes, uh, curling. Was it curling? Yeah. It? Yes, it was, it was genu- curling. Well, that was genuinely a guess. How do you cheat in cur- like how do like, well, why do you need in, steroids? In what yeah, in yeah. what I was capacity say, what tr- what is that take? going to yeah, like Ad- Adderall? Like, yeah. like Ritalin? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like I really need to focus. Yeah, we <laughs> get them traps super jacked to you know like beer. Like I don't I have no maybe, idea, maybe, man. Maybe maybe you need a downer. Maybe you need to smoking a marijuana need, cigarettes. Yeah, maybe you need to be very chill. Yeah. So maybe he just yeah. caught with some Xanax in the system or like yeah, that too just much, feels too much like the weird dandelion tea. Yeah, <laughs> I just need to be on the level. I just need to be a little can of meal. Level. Yeah. Also, heard someone was mentioning how, like, you know, like the, the two ostensibly biggest, like, directly exported sports from Scot- Scotland now are golfing and curling, huh. and they both involve yelling at an inanimate object <laughs> that's moving. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> cool. But only um, only one of them has Donald Trump as a major owner in one of the um, uh, one of the these sporting <sighs> curling. Yeah. yeah, Donald. The Donald loves to curl. Yeah, his own hair, obviously. And then in other uh, in other Olympics news, it's happened again, y'all. It's happened again. Another Eddie the Eagle scenario. Uh-oh. Have y'all seen about this story? No, no, no. Eliz- Elizabeth Swaney uh, is uh, she is doing the freestyle ski half pipe for the country of Hungary. Let's go. Uh, her grandparents are Hungarian. She lives in America. When she was in. <laughs> Uh, undergraduate school, she w- ran in that like 
crazy like circus show uh, race of the California governor's election, like with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Gary oh. Coleman and all this stuff. Now she is a uh, recruiter for uh, some tech companies in the uh, in the Bay Area, but she is competing in the or she competed in like the women's freestyle ski half pipe by basically going to different like World Cup you know things uh you know uh competitions yeah. and and just finishing without making any mistakes and if you finish in the top 30 in any world things that can qualify you to be in the olympics i love that so I she finished. was finishing in the top 30 because there were only like 15 her best yeah. finish is like 13 out of 15 <laughs> and i think the other two girls fell yeah and that's the re- like doing actual tricks so she's just in she just finished we'll post the video <laughs> to this thing she does not do a. She does one trick, which is she goes up the half pipe and spins around and then oh, comes yeah. down switch oh, off the I half just pipe. Love that. It's on she's, skis. She's, she's just going back and forth. She is there, dude. That's great. And she is just very she, slowly. In watching that, <laughs> fantastic. To the, listening uh, to the announcers try and try oh, and like she's, she's going like, for a oh, yeah, she's uh, taking oh. taking it real. Taking a real safe. She's, she's, still, oh, yeah. she's going still up the pipe. Going she's up the pipe. And she's going back down. She's down going pipe, back down, down the, the pipe. pipe. Going back down the pipe. And oh. she's finished. And uh, <laughs> a little, uh, she does like just like one 180 at the top. And they're like, oh, you know, showing the judges she can do, do some tricks. <laughs> and working there. She does not fall. She, wow. she has not fallen. And she's, yeah. she's finished. She's definitely finished. She's finished. She came in nope. dead last. Absolute last. Beautiful. But Dude, she, she's she an Olympian. She's having a great time. You get that. I mean, like, that girl can get the Olympic rings tattoo, you know? I she, love that. Is she yeah. having a great time, though? Is oh, yeah. Like, I think fully so. Fully embracing it. I, think, I, I believe so. Dude. Classic. I'm just trying to do the best for myself and represent Hungary as best as I can. Yeah, yeah. man. Right you know what? I got Roll nothing tight. to say about that. Roll tight you know? to her. I really Roll hope to right. inspire others in Hungary to take up freestyle skiing, and I hope that contributes to a greater number of people out there freestyle skiing. Yeah, right. Is she the yeah. only one from Hungary? Yes. Like, okay. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure. I, I said that pretty confidently, but roll, I think roll. so. Yeah, roll indeed. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. So they are now going to change it to make sure that you have to get more points in yeah. the World Cup, like a certain like cap off of points, not just like finishing the top. Oh, well, because they think that she's embarrassing the Olympic movement by not doing more, by just by, by finishing. Whatever, man. That's that's a testament to just human ingenuity. Yeah, like, I'm going to get up in this thing. I love People that. will always find. Like, I just, I'm like. You know, that's a cool running story, fa- isn't it? Fascinated yeah. by yeah, by people like Eddie the Eagle, like the cool runnings dudes, like just yeah. people figuring out ways to get through the loopholes of the mm-hmm. Olympic qualifying and just being like, this is a person. I would say that is our entire uh, mission statement of the Firescape. That is the spirit. Yep. How can we just manipulate and kind of slide through the different channels and get to where we ought not be? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Come on, people! It's, it's bobsled bob time. As uh, Cool Running so memorably puts it. Mm. Love that. Maybe, perhaps, I'm the bridge to those who want to get started in the life of freestyle skiing. And I want to show people that, yeah, it's possible to get involved in freestyle skiing through a variety of backgrounds. Boom. What what was her name again? Uh, Elizabeth Sweeney. Sweeney. Man, Sweeney, you have our full support. Sweeney, we salute you. Talking of small nations um, punching above their weight. Sorry, the under. No, there's more. There's more. The uh, the subtitle of the of the article from the Denver Post is Sweeney earned her Olympic berth more from attending World Cup events than actually competing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect example of you really did something there. You really did something there. I really attended. 
present. <laughs> I was present at the Olympics. All right, so who's who's punching above their weight? Oh no, I just thought it was, a, it was a handy little link in terms of like smaller nations punching above their weight. I, it's just one of the stories, and as you guys, uh, regular listeners, will know that we have this habit of um, wanting to sort of have a little story from the south, and then. Um, Maybe having a little story that's somehow connected to uh, to Wales, anything that crops up during the week. And actually, there was like I think maybe my, f- my one of my favourite ones thus far since we've started recording the Fire Escape was this story this week that obviously the uh, the movie Black Panther has uh, graced the screens across mm-hmm. the world and is becoming a big, uh, fair to say, cultural phenomenon. Is probably oh, yeah. the best way to put it. A big opening record. I think none of us have actually seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm intending no. to go and see mm-hmm. it. A phenomenon for the culture. Yeah, a phenomenon for the culture. It is a phenomenonable. Um, but uh, there was this great story I just noticed the other day that apparently there's a scene at the end of the film where there's like a this credit sequence. Yeah, post credit yeah. sequence where I think this it's something to do with um, you know the mythical nation of Wakanda I think it's pronounced mm. uh, that they've created in the story um, where Black Panther comes from that they become recognised as a country I think within the auspices of the UN I think that's yeah. the sort of general idea and there's a post credit sequence where you see them in the UN building in the General Security Council chamber or some such the one that has all the flags in the background of all the nations of the UN mm-hmm. and some uh, some canny beady-eyed Welshman Notice that in that sequence at the end of Black Panther, at the at the, at the edge of all these flags in the UN, was a Welsh flag, and there's this now this growing debate that has the writers or the producer director of Black Panther are they making a very subtle nod towards to- the ideas of Welsh independence? Yeah, there's like a lot. I've seen a bunch of different theories about it. There's the theory that. It's a solidarity, you know, because like the, yeah, the film title is, yeah. is Black Panther, and there was a lot of solidarity between the um, like the American Civil Rights Movement and the Welsh Independence Movement in the 1960s. This uh, is true, or that it's a nod that in this world of superheroes in the Marvel cin- Cinematic Universe, that Wales is an independent country in the MCU. Ah, or or pot- and maybe potentially so both things. It could yeah, potentially could be, both. be both things. I mean, it reminded me, I'll tell you what really... It could like, be I just mean, somebody, just, a set decorator having a little bit of a laugh. Yeah, having a bit Wales. of jokes. But even so, it's a nice synchronicity in terms of those like things. I might put an Alabama flag in there. Yeah, yeah. man. I mean, but also because I, it, it's part of that broader narrative that we've talked about the really made me chuckle you know we have this conversation about Wales in the south and how it's connected to that story and the Wales window and that I'm still kind of chipping away at um, that project but you know it reminds me of a story that when the artist who made the Wales window was in the south it was in Alabama in 1963 at the height of all that stuff he was taken mm-hmm. to a rally um, I discovered that when I was there it's a little known aspect of this story and he, he said in an interview but I don't think it's ever been in the press but he was taken to a, a rally I think in Montgomery I think it was by the um by the priest of the 16th Street Baptist Church, a remarkable man called John Cross. But he took him to this rally, and I think it was a rally of uh, something called the Southern Black Teachers Association. So I think it was a uh, educationists group. Mm-hmm. And they were having a rally in a big hall. And the way he told it, John, uh, John Petch, the artist, told it that he was that um, Cross played a slight trick where they went to this rally and there were thousands of people and he said that he was kind of maybe the only white person in the room apart from some policemen that were there and he was in suddenly was someone got up towards the end of this rally in front of thousands of people and said we have a guest here who's gonna who's come all the way from a country called Wales and who's going to who's making the stained glass window on behalf of the Welsh people for the 16th Baptist Church and he's going to say a few words and oh. John, yeah yeah and John Cross had basically found the the priest the pastor of the 
church had basically found the organiser and just dropped John Petts in it didn't tell him he was going to do it yeah. and suddenly he had to get up in front of a couple of thousand people and give this impromptu speech but what he talked about that's why this thing in the UN of there being a Welsh flag behind this nation the nation of what kind of being recognised you know this this nation finally giving its due is that what Pet said you know in real life in the 60s he got up and he made this impromptu speech saying the reason why the people of Wales have got behind wanting to give this artwork to this the black community in the south specifically the 16th Street Baptist Church and that congregation in Birmingham was that they understood what it was to be an, <coughs> oppressed, an oppressed people obviously in different ways yeah, you know, yeah. but um, but the spirit of what it was to have a culture under a certain you know in certain forms of oppression and he referenced I think in that speech that he made he said he referenced the idea of not being able to speak a language and not being able to fully indulge a cultural heritage under you know auspices mm -hmm. and he was referring of course to a, the long history of Wales's relationship with England and the English crown but so that, I just had that in mind when I saw that story of the Welsh flag being popping up in Black Panther in just like you said Coulter in connection with the black liberation struggle it really made me chuckle because I was like wow what a remarkable thing to sort of echo yeah. up because that is really like I mean I think there is a resonance now there is a correlation in the in the, maybe in the most broadest of senses you know yeah. and, but, but for that to pop up in that film which is so specifically about that you know, I think that's very telling. It's a really telling little yeah. nudge, whether it was purposeful or not. But I mean, I can't quite see how it can't be purposeful. Mm. But it just made me think maybe that is will nudge things further towards an awareness of the um, of some of those historic connections, just like you said. Yeah. You know, big up the Black Panther and the Wakanda. The Wakanda Welsh is what I should say. The Wakandan Welsh. Yeah, the Wakandan Welsh. The Welsh Wakandans out there. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I just thought that was like a, I don't know, super interesting little Easter egg. And, of course, like... Yeah, an Easter egg. In a post credit scene, like, people are going to dissect absolutely everything, which oh, yeah. nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like, you know what? Yeah. And I wonder if there are, what other flags are there as well. It'll be interesting if there are, maybe people have noticed the Welsh flag, but it made me think also maybe there's a Catalonian flag. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, maybe there's a Basque flag. Yeah, Bas oh, see, Bas I'm looking right. No, see, see like Bas that's the thing about it is they're all you know you have like um, I don't know what this is. Obviously, American flag, stars and straps, Japanese flag, uh, either French or no, that's not the that's the uh, the uh, Belgium, the Belgian flag, Belgian flag, the Flems. It might be the the oppressed Flems, the Flemish, the Flemish. The Flemish. And then, yeah, old Wales, and on the far right corner, like all the way towards the. Uh, towards is it the, the last one? It's the, the last, last one, one on the, on the right. Right. in this in this so, specific frame. I mean, yeah. arguably, there may be some set dresser who basically didn't have a needed a spare flag. <laughs> Wait, it also might be a reference to Linwin Brennan, apparently, who works for uh, Lucasfilm, which is like a, you know a part of that whole MCU Disney uh, big conglomerate. Who is he's from Pembrokeshire? Uh, where yeah. I'm from. Look at yeah. that. So, yeah, he just may have done it as a little slight gag. Or the people who worked for, yeah, you know, who knows? Or for, for Linwin. Most likely, we have somebody who works for uh, for Marvel Studios who's a Fire Escape fan. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably more. definitely the that's, thing. Yeah. That's the more likely. I think it's undoubtedly that someone at least two years ago when they first started post-production for that film was yeah. aware in the future of what we're going to do and my, our interest in these subject matters, specifically yeah. my interest in this curious story about um, a Welsh artwork in the Deep South which somehow connects Wales and the civil rights movement. 
undoubtedly that must be the some sort of like future prophecy that they were enacting in that movie. Well, that's a little ridiculous. But what's more more ridiculous? more likely is that they read the Vice article about Welsh Fest. Yeah, that's much more. Yeah. That's the, that's I mean, you know. yeah. Yeah. Or just simply became a big this, fan of the show and yeah, right on, on the cutting floor day, yeah, you know, they edited in there. Bah, yeah. CGI. Yeah, it's just CGI did. Or they so, or they did a little pickup shot. They were like, you know what, let's change the uh You gotta get the back end. out there. Someone yeah. hire the UN for the day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think that's what happened. Just hire the UN. Someone quick. Good guys, any um uh, obviously that's the um the Welsh Wakandans, which is a oh, yes. connection we've all been waiting for. But anything this week like bubbling up from the um from the southern states? Anything well, rising from the heat of the south? Uh I can say friend of the show or friend of a friend of the show, Ben Rains has that uh had had that article recently oh, where yeah, he yeah, went yeah, out yeah, yeah. with uh with a uh the, the ambassador from the Republic of Benin in Africa to the the side of the Clotilda because we met the we've mentioned well, the Clotilda in the previous alleged, alleged side of the, the, the side of, of a ship that is don't possibly see, don't see. the Clotilda possibly. yeah yeah we've mentioned that like, you've previous. been very loyally today see Bob yeah. make yeah, sure you're, you're keeping your speech well on right. this one I just want to be factually like historically accurate I don't want to be you know, I, I, I respect stuff. it and on the Someone's alleged do it couch here. burning I just don't want you know Tyrone Prothero yeah. to, to get in trouble you know yeah, absolutely. Counts no, we don't want that. Alleged ships. It's you need to be very careful about yeah, these things. That's right. But we mentioned that we've mentioned the Clotilda, haven't we, already in a previous episode? Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. So for those of you who uh, didn't tune into that previous app, I can't remember which one it was, but it's there somewhere back in the mists of uh, podcasting time. Was that of portals and portals something? of portals and Prince Maddock. It might that be. Yeah, yes. yeah, that yeah, was there it. you are. Look at that. Episode um, sixteen. Of course, Peter jumps in there as the official archivist. Of that's me. If you, if you if you know if the <laughs> listeners know anything about me, it's that I've got a steel trap brain. Always, comes in here. You can always tweet him a question. I'll never in, forget archives. it. In which episode archives. did you archive this topic? Uh, but yeah, we spoke about it in Portals and Prince Maddock, which is the story of the last ever slave ship to the stage, which was in the, in the mid-19th century called the Clotilda. And they've discovered Ben Rains, who's a reporter for Alabama.com, who's a really, I think, by all accounts, a pretty excellent journalist. He's the son of a very famous Alabama journalist called Howell Rains. Great name. Dare Is I that say. right? That's his name, oh, Howell Rains, but with the anglicized spelling, H-O-W-E-L-L. And Howell Rains uh, wrote a very excellent book about the civil rights movement, which is passing me by, but I'll, I'll remember, maybe we'll send a link. But he also was the editor of the New York Times for a period of time. There you go. There it is. But Ben Rains' son does a lot of uh, kind of interesting discovery stories for Alabama.com, and he came up with this, this they discovered a wreck on the shore of what river again? Is it near Mobile, right? Uh, you put me on the spot Mobile? right here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah down in the Gulf Coast. Yeah, uh, on the Gulf Coast. They've discovered a wreck and they think... The Spanish uh, River. On the Spanish River. Yeah, and Mobile River. And they but, think it yeah. may be the wreck of the last surviving slave ship of in contemporary history. Yeah, that they burned that because they burned. of, uh, you know, the slave trade Which, was illegal from yeah. 1808 forward. Anyway, but the, the, we so we mentioned that previously. But the great, the really interesting follow-up story is they allegedly, as you, but they think that it was probably the wreck of the Clotilda, and um, and if you look on Alabama.com or just search this, you'll find the story. But there's a follow-up story where an ambassador from the country of Benin, which I think is in West Africa, um, visited the site, and it's a really remarkable piece of journalism because he, that's why he visited the site, didn't he, to mm-hmm. sort of perform a form of a ritual to sort of absolve. Not only himself, but like aspects of Benin and the society for selling their yeah, people in the first place. Yeah, apparently not yeah. like fully absolved, but just to ask for for to yeah, ask for, for forgiveness. forgiveness. Yeah. yeah, 
And there's some stuff about he take. There's a bottle of liquor. He takes some liquor yeah, with some him. Gym. Yeah, and something else. And like spits it out over the water bottle. Absolution. Yeah. And, um, um, and it's and very moving to read because he's deeply distressed, isn't he? This guy. He's yeah. Yeah. And well, it's like permeated the culture there too. Apparently, it's still a thing when when you go to. Um, super sad, but like when you go like over to people's homes, instead people don't like to sit near doors uh, because that was like a, you know, people would have already sold you. Yeah, to your, your relative, your may relative have, may have, have already sold, sold you, you, and you'd sit near the door, and then people would like bust in and take whoever you. was by the door. Oh, would be taken. Um, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, so. But, and it was the royal family, I think, if I remember the story, that he... He was a descendant of the royal family. a descendant family. of yeah. the royal family of Benin of that period who'd sold people on. But there's also a really interesting bit in it where he talks about... He says, I'm asking for my personal forgiveness because I'm connected to them. And um, he's doing this sort of personal... Story, but he talks to Ben Rains about how, if it is proven to be the Clotilda, that there'll be delegations of people probably coming from Benin to perform like the proper yeah. rituals of of forgiveness and absolution and yeah. those things in order to try and lay those ghosts to rest. And the voodoo. Yeah, the voodoo. Yeah, the voodoo. Like literally, voodoo priests. Yeah, or literally whatever. voodoo priests. And because he explains in this article, of course, the idea that in, within that belief system that your ancestors walk with you mm. and that there's an active, they have an impact and an effect on the life that you're living. And there's a, there's a, like a deep spiritual necessity to address those things. That yeah. It's mm-hmm. not an abstract concept, you know. And um, yeah, so that's that was a really, a really remarkable, worth a little, worth worth a little cursory Google. Yeah, it's something, and that's also like really not to get like super. I mean, I guess we get we get deep as as we get as deep or as as or shallow know, philosophical as we, yeah. as we as we wish. But uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot to that of like uh, dealing with. You know, that's something like in America that we just don't deal with. Like we yeah. have not dealt with how. We haven't dealt, you know, I was listening to um, Brian Stevenson, who um, is the uh, head of the Equal Justice Initiative in Mobile, mm. who's erecting the lynching memorials there, mm. and um, and a, I believe, a, like a slavery museum, possibly. That, that might be completely wrong. Anyways, he's, look him up, look up YouTube videos, he gives a good TED Talk, but like, we don't... We don't deal with the fact that, like, this is, you know, essentially, like, this country, there was a genocide that happened. Yeah. And, like, we came here, we took the, uh, you know, we, we came here on and on the basis of, like, racial difference, stole land from Native Americans. And then on the basis, on that same basis of ra- racial difference, we said... Yeah, it's totally okay to steal these people from their homeland, bring them here, force them to mm. uh to, you know, work for free and suffer, you know, torture and death and uh and then, you know, that ends and in order to preserve like that status quo, then there's this like, never separation been, never and otherness and yeah. Um, and fear and terror and yeah and, and just yeah you know nothing's ever we we haven't really like assessed there's not a culture and it's the same in the uk i think very much so i mean there's something maybe it's what's shared you know and there's there's like broad topics to talk about that you know in terms of how what you call that and how far it stretches but it's definitely it's a cultural mode isn't it not wanting to look back well and not and a, a, and a feeling that the past doesn't 
you know, like the Faulkner quote, you know, the past isn't isn't, isn't even past. You know, there's a, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of tied into a sort of rationalistic idea of um, not of that it being somehow separate. And you should, you know, and also ideas of living presently and just always looking forward. I always feel like America is this great belief in forwardness. You know, always never want to look back, always look forward. But I think there's something you both things have to be true, right? Yeah. yeah. And, well, um, and when I come across those cultures that are in, that not only indulge it, but it's it's not even a question of indulging. It's just an isness. You know, so reading that article with that guy, the ambassador of Benin it was extraordinarily moving because he's not talking about it like we must think about these things in an analytical way we must ponder these last questions it's just like it is a fundamental aspect of being you know yeah. they're just like this is an isness we must address. like there's no getting away from it it's, well there there is a there is a very like <clears throat> it, it is it's extremely admirable for that guy to do it because it doesn't happen often and I used to be so confused as to why like you know like in America for instance right we've got whatever, a hundred years ago, or maybe, yeah, whatever. We'll say late 1800s, mid-1800s, your ancestors were doing these things, you know, as it pertains to, say, to Native American folks, or further back for, like, you know, during slavery, pre-Civil War. And people, like, get all, they get all bumped up about this thing of, like, well, I didn't do it, so, like, I don't need to apologize for that, or, like, I'm not responsible for that. Um, and and I I, for a long time was confused like why people wouldn't just be like well, why can't we just talk about these things you didn't do it yeah so why can't we address so, the fact that it so happened so why do you find it so difficult to talk about and yeah. and i think it i think it was my buddy chad who's um who's lakota and he he said i think it was him that had told me that he was like well he's like there are you have to think about like this this thing happened as it pertains to like the native american folks a lot of people you know the the ancestors of these people currently mm. made a lot of money by ranching and taking this land and doing all this stuff political stuff whatever there's a lot to gain from the ousting of native folks from their from their land and and so just like it's still like that the native communities are disenfranchised today because of the fact that they their culture and their communities were so viciously broken apart mm. they they're still paying for that in their communities and it still affects them today in the same way that the folks who did the breaking apart and made the political moves and made all the money to do those things. Um, the, the ancestors of those people are in infinitely better shape because of the decisions that those folks made. Yeah. So like, you know, that, and, that, and he told me that is like a, that's why people don't want to talk about it is because we're still suffering and they're still benefiting. Yeah. And if you if you address the especially in America you address the fact that if if you address that then you don't get to say bootstraps I did this myself yep. I, I worked hard I don't owe this to anybody well, well sure it, you do yeah, yeah I and, mean, and like, also and, the, you know and that doesn't make you guilty it just yeah, you, yeah. it should be acknowledged yeah you but still it, work hard and like the idea that's always the idea that I run across with like you know people my grandparents or uh, people of that thing is like you know I, like i worked like really hard and like yeah but there's also the thing you can kind of forget that like i mean just even practices that were around until not even that long ago like in the 90s like redlining and stuff like that oh, like yeah. yeah you worked really hard but like the reason why you worked hard and were able to buy things is because people allowed you to like people yeah. allowed you to buy houses in nice areas where the value was going to go and go get an education your, 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 or your thing was going to appreciate yeah. like 
that's a that's something you can't like un, you know like undersell as far as you could have never ever owned like your family could have never owned slaves you could have moved here and been an immigrant and you know your family could be immigrants from like the late 1800s it doesn't matter if you're a white person you had a leg up because you were allowed to buy a house in whatever neighborhood you wanted to you were allowed to go to whatever school you wanted to as long as you could get in like that that's the the difference is like yeah you worked for all of your things but you also had every opportunity You di- you just did have more opportunities. Like that's well, the thing. But like, well, you and, had more opportunities. Yeah. Well, and I mean, based on like we we're saying, like you know, race, skin color, whatever. It. Yeah. I mean, if if a guy from the Northern Cree, in you know, eighteen ninety eight, who didn't somehow get massacred, says, "I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to do everything. Twenty hours a day. I am busting my ass. I'm going to do this because I want to be a a businessman, right? Whatever. I want to own my own." drugstore and then you know philip jones from wherever whose family immigrated from wales wales sure jones Jones. see basketball you know like it doesn't it doesn't matter like the amount of effort given by both parties has almost no effect on what their outcomes will be well it has a hundred percent effect like the amount of effort is like you just have to work less hard if you're a well, white person. No, but, well, but I'm <laughs> like saying if they, if they yeah. gave the exact same effort. Oh, yeah. If they gave it, the same effort. It doesn't then matter. It doesn't matter. Like, then it's like, I can tell you exactly who's coming out on top. Exactly. So, I don't know. I, I yeah, said all that just remains to... It's just like both things, of course, can be true. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, and that's what makes it very tricky is that well, it doesn't... You know, it's like no one's negating anyone's hard work because, you know, people... Everyone has... You know, people... Life can be tricky when you have privileges as much as it can when you can't. And, you know... It, it's no one's negating that some people have worked very hard, but they, but yeah, there's a real. It's something to be. There's something that need you know acknowledging the fact that you, uh, you know, that there are other people who have have found that more difficult and have the opportunities is not that much of a stretch. But I don't think at the same time it negates the efforts that other people have made. Yeah, you know, like, mm. no, the, the work well, you've hard. Of course not. I mean, it's just a, it's just a case of the, the the steps that then are made is the question, and that's something I still feel I'm definitely engaging with or being tricky because. You know, um, it, life can be can be difficult just within your own frame of reference, and also broadening your frame of reference to understand how difficult it is for other people is always, is enlightening and makes you question how you live yourself and yeah. makes you think about how you should be grateful for what you have and all those things, and that's really important. And then, but then the steps beyond that, you know, like where that can take you in terms of the society you're living in, in terms of the actions you're taking, and. You know, and that's the big debate going on, isn't yeah. it, at the moment? Like, how are you helping, or you know, or what you're contributing, and what, and whether you, whether what you contribute, whether you can be contributing, what you wish to contribute. You know, those are the those are the tricky questions of like contemporary life yeah. in this country. Well, right? that's that's what's so admirable about our our emissary from from Benin, right? Is yeah. that is obviously this guy is in some position of power within like that place, right? He's a what was his official title? He's an ambassador, an ambassador, but he, he's a a prince, a foreign, you know, like of the royal family of yeah. uh, Dahomey. Perfect. And so, like, it. clearly had to uh, it's gained a lot from the atrocities from from back then. Hmm. And like, that's that's what's so cool. That's my only point. It's just like, saying hey. like, hey, I benefited from this terrible thing that happened. So I want to, I'm gonna not only acknowledge it, but go and like 
do do my like you know whatever my ritual of absolution or my my forgiveness ritual yeah. or whatever as uh, um, but Brian just recognizing Stevenson it. would say get proximate because yeah, yeah. like like that's the work is like you know don't because a lot of people have all the especially on social media or in like you know philosophical conversations people are like try and come up with all of these like well how do i do you know like what's the most like like how do i do justice in a way that's like you know how do i think the right way how do i say the right things how do i fix these things i'm like i don't think that it not that those aren't good questions to to ask but like the answer is like get proximate to the problems get in uncomfortable situations like talk to people hear people out go see things that are true and that are a part of history and uh you know don't wait to like till you have the answers because you'll never have the answers like sitting by yourself in like an ivory tower and and actually you know the the ambassador from Benin where it really raises you know the first thing i thought when i watched it it's just like it it was just again the same thought i've had before it's just like we don't have the means you know we have like somehow got into these societies where we seem to have evolved ourselves away from these ideas or rituals or means or even on the most personalized basis because what you encounter what reading that article or the vid there's a little video of it i think as well is that you know he has an individualized means to try and approach that and that's tremendously important it's almost like a creative act you know whether Mm -hmm. it's the writing of a poem and 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 you know i think in in the states and in the uk or more generally western society you know there's and uh, as much as on the right as on the left there's there seems to be an increasing cynicism about such things do you know what i mean that like Mm -hmm. the the individualized ritual whatever that might be you know and but and often we think of it we think of it in these terms in terms of art often you know like i painted a picture i wrote a poem and it's easy to be really dismissive about that because you're like well what's really that doing you know, well, I always feel like the act, you know, what you see that, that the ambassador from Benin doing is something deeply personal, you know, and mm. he's reciting something, he's entering into like a sort of, you know, his own personalized way of getting into the sort of spiritual state of that, if you will. And it's, and in, but in order to do that too, he's physically going to he's the place, physically going to the place instead of just thinking about something. Yes, yes, yes. But there's that sense of enacting that is something that I, that's what kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Is that when I was watching it, it was tremendously moved, and my first thought was just that. I was like, I feel like we don't, we seem to have lost our means of enacting these things, you know. Yeah. And then we, and then there's a lot, and we don't, and then there's as a result of that, there's a huge amount of disagreement. It feels now going on about like what is the means to enact those things, yeah. And whether it's the right or the wrong way, and it's very, it was very striking to to watch someone who had such a personalized means of going like you said approximating himself mm-hmm. and and it seeming it's deeply personal deeply valid he has a way and yeah. means that is seemingly also not only within his culture but within himself and i just sat there being like i don't know what do we where do we do that like, yeah how do i like well, i think and just, i was like what do i do and i was like well i think i for me my means is through uh, like trying to get to these questions is through artworks yeah. and you hope that in the process of creating something it then reaches out to other people and that contributes towards the dynamic of things shifting yeah. and changing yeah. and certainly there'll be some people that feels valuable to me it also feels like kind of my way that I understand and how I get into that and uh, undoubtedly there will be people out in the world who are probably like what does that really do you know you should be on a march or you should be da 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 and that's okay that's, of course you know yeah. that's a valid opinion but I guess for me I find that that sort of the artistic method is a, is a, is a way that is uh, hopefully helpful more broadly into society in terms of addressing or talking in, into that sort of dynamic not necessarily explicitly what we're talking about in terms of yeah, his, yeah. his own of what's yeah. going on with the Clotilda but in terms of how to address those things going on in society oh, well, I think all of these things too like what those you know what you do with your like if you're going you know to uh, protest something or you're making a piece of artwork or 
um, maybe not pro- protesting. This might be a different thing because, like, this is kind of. I see protesting as something involving like a, a grievance with something someone else did, uh, but this is more like coming to grips with what you or your family or the history of a place or something has done to culture. But if something's society, bridging all of those things, yeah. it's that sense of an injustice that's yeah. kind of needing to be addressed, right? But uh, you know what it what it does is like it leads to you know how many people have you interviewed for this thing? It leads to conversation, and it leads to when people come up and say, "I think you have a bad take on that." Yeah, like it's like listening to those yeah. to those yeah. things. I mean, like, I think that honestly, having a because no one else has it figured out either. Like there would be less, bu- like you know, the reason why there's so many books on. Uh, relationships or on race theory or on all of these different things like you don't need you don't need a lot of books for physics like you don't need that many you know like yeah we kind of understand it these are things we don't understand we don't know like yeah. what the answers are so that's why there's you know having listening to people and like well that's listening to people who have completely different views from you i mean well, you know, within reason yeah like, well I'm not but listen I, to a flat earther to talk about any of these things yeah <laughs> well i mean i think that's i think that's the key like for for me to like to sum it up in a in a simple way and i think that's what we're all kind of getting at here is that like you take you you take the step and you take the effort to learn so it, in matters of history you learn what happened you learn the facts and you do that by talking to people you do that by reading research whatever um, and listening and then secondarily which i think this is the, really the harder part for a lot of people i i embarrassingly it can admit that like i struggled with some of these things for a long time it's like with my adoption into the apache um, being like a white guy from the south and being told a lot of things about me and what i represent yeah i i well i mean yeah, I've, yeah. I've ruffled my feathers and 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 took stances that i now think were wrong and yeah. and, and i i didn't i didn't listen because I did. I did the first step, which is like I'm gonna learn about this stuff, figure out what happened, um, talk to people about it, and then the second step is where I think it becomes. Uh, I guess you enact that knowledge by accepting, like this is what happened. Like I've I've read it, I've talked to people, I've listened, and it's true. Like and now I've got to go forward, understanding, you know, what privilege is or what. Uh, yeah, and there's no amount of like you being cool with like different cult, like no. minority cultures that absolves you of be- having grown up with privilege and not having to think about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like, and in that knee jerk reaction of, oh, well, I'm, I'm on I, your side. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm good is like, is, a, is the manifestation of that thing. Yeah. Of like, oh, like, I, yeah. Um, and, and I don't know. I think that's the thing. I think that's what old, our, our, our old dude from Benin did. You know, that I think is so cool. Is like he he obviously sought out the information, found that this you know that this alleged shipwreck um, or whatever you know was allegedly the Clotilda, and then he goes and he says like I accept this and I accept that like my position is as a result of this yeah. terrible thing. And he way more so than us could say like, Hey, I'm on, you know, I'm African. I'm on, I'm on their yeah. side. Like we're, you know, our country was destroyed by, uh, you know, the, the slave trade and by colonialism and all this stuff. But he just owned up to it and said like, my family personally benefited from yeah. this. And like, this is not, it's not good. Like yeah. I ask and I apologize and I hope that they forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, 
That's a, that's a grown move right there. Yeah, that's I'm, a hard quite, thing I'm to very do. moved by on the the specificity of his, particularly looking through his family history, because I think you know, that's something that increasingly everyone you know everyone buys into that and believes in the debt and gets moved by the depths of those things. And you yeah. know, following one's own line in that respect, I think has real benefits in terms of like yeah. seeing how that flows back and. And and also maybe trying to grapple with an idea of how that plays through you, you know, because yeah. those are belief systems that the idea, like so, with the ambassador from Benin, it's a, it is an isness for him that his ancestors are present with him, yeah, you know. And if you don't have that belief system, then you, maybe you're more liable to think that you have no connection to that and you have no necessity to engage with that. And that's obviously has its own value, but you may, maybe you then engage with the sense of what your history is and how you've got to your position in a different way, you know, in a more yeah. abstract conceptual way to do with, you know, maybe economics or whatnot, you know. Um, but it's very striking for him that he, there is uh, the sense of his lineage and his responsibility to his lineage or how it is, how he is the embodiment of his lineage is something which is present. There's no, it's not like split off, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not a separate thing. And that for me is the thing that I find most striking because I, I guess at times I struggle with a lot of the contemporary debates is that not that I disagree with a lot of the principle of what we've just all been saying is that it's, I always am bothered by how can we make these things personal because things become so abstracted by ideas of theory oh, yeah, and, exactly. ac- and academicized language and maybe it's because I'm a writer or I don't know that I find academicized language it makes me come out in a rash yeah. you know and it becomes a sort of the only accepted means of discourse if you can sort of throw around theoretical terms or sort of academic ideas sure, and yeah. I don't think that there's an, and the problem is it makes me sound like I'm being anti-rational that's not what I mean it's more about like what has what is most useful I think is what I'm talking about you know and what has the most effect because the important thing is you want people to be affected yeah. you want it to touch someone's heart you want them to be, become introspective in the best possible yeah, way not, where not they beat ex- them but they, like change yeah, it yeah they want you want yeah. people to become flexible to look at themselves to ask questions and so you know I think you know I think artists in any form often have they understand that intuitively because they know that you need to speak um, to sound briefly really cheesy, if you'll pardon me. You know, you have to find ways that address heart matters, soul matters, however you think of those, even if those things are just creative ideas to you, yeah. uh, imaginary ideas rather than maybe real life things, you know. But uh, you have to find ways to look into that because, and, and that's for me is the thing that I struggle with, I think, in contemporary discourse is that so much of it is, is framed around a sort of a way of speaking which is very sort of academicized, you know. Mm-hmm. Very sort of, a lot feels, of jargon. Yeah, a lot of jargon, a lot of sort of, and you kind of feel like you're being hit over the head with jargon a lot of the time. And when you actually then look at the meaning of some of the jargon, I'm, like, I'm often like, yeah, man, I mean, I agree. It's, like, it's not that I disagree with the meaning of the jargon, yeah. but I often just say, wow, I wish you just said what the meaning of that was instead yeah. because it yeah. feels so much more personal and then it feels like we're having a discussion but of course you know um getting into the sort of a flexible wine raging eye-to-eye discussion is something not something you can do in 160 characters or whatever so mm-hmm. you know yeah and that's where i always and that's another reason why you know looking at that guy watching reading that article you're just so struck by you know he's speaking in the language of his heart you know and that sense yeah. of what that means to him in a soulful way and that's where i always ended up you know i consistently now i'm just like how do we yeah. find a way to make these things feel deeply personal not that people don't feel them personally they do so I, this is yeah I'm kind of slightly tying myself into knots as you can hear but that's kind of where my instincts no, lie do you know what I'm getting I'm, at uh, 100% and I think yeah I think part of the reason if you abstract how things he with achieved concept, that is he, makes, he went yeah he took the abstractness away yeah he's like I'm here physically and yeah, endless and endless, do this you know, thing. endless Pro- opinion pieces you know. your abs- like yeah. anything abstract because like you don't need to 
it's good. You you will learn what the right like. You'll learn what the the answers are. You don't need to figure those out before you go. Yeah, and and I guess what happens with a lot of theorizing or the utilization of theoretical language is that you end up generalizing. Things become very broad yeah. immediately, and instead of becoming individual and specific, and you then move away from nuance and gray area, and mm-hmm. you know, and all sorts of interesting yeah. things that connect and well, um, and that are deeply valuable because then the world becomes complex, but also becomes deeply felt. And then when you but when you start, I think, engaging almost entirely in sort of yeah. or sort of ag- broad, abs- a br- broad abstract sort of slightly sort of you know theoretical argument, it's what you see a lot of in sort of opinion pieces and stuff in the newspapers, I think. And it's not that it's not uninteresting. I'm always I read that stuff. And I'm yeah. interested by it, but it can lend you towards a way of thinking about things which becomes very generalized and yeah. broad. And then I think then I think the effect of that talking about effect is that uh, that's my concern. I think is I think the effect of it is often to do the opposite of what it's trying to do. Yeah, Wait, yes, and the, and what it's trying to do is wanting to enlighten you, but actually weirdly the effect of indulging in a lot that way of writing or speaking is actually to distance you. Broad mm-hmm. generalizations are how we get prejudices in the first place. Yeah, like that's. Yeah, a hundred percent. How they how they happen. But then, if you start the weirdly, that you often find then there's that discourse where if you then start kind of trying to counter it, you then you feel like people you're the one being vague because you're not using the language which is like you know the sort of accredited way of talking or thinking. Yeah, about well, things. yeah, yes. that's that's the tricky part. That's that's where internet for it being such a useful tool for like internet or for information sharing and stuff. It it can you hear that internet? You're on notice. <laughs> you know, it does. It dissolves things into this like two people who are on the same side. Yeah. Completely, and we'll fight about the language using how to support their idea that they share. Oh yeah, you know? But and which I, is again, it's just like that's the that's why that article, you know, with with the guy from Benin is just so nice. There's no there's there's no issue to be took. You know, you just the guy went there to do his thing, like to make his and to say it in his own words. Yeah, I mean, like man, just it's, to say it in his and own there, words. There's no as, way to, to generalize that. He's and, looking yeah. at the ruins of the ship. It's like these people, I'm responsible. Saying for. it in his own words, in the presence of these things, but also saying that saying it in his own words as inarticulately as he so wishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? In in not in in a way that everyone else feels it should be said, yeah. you know that he says it in his way, kind of splashing his drink out on him, splashing you know what I mean? his drink, you know, just yeah. doing it, the thing that is his, you know, and that speaks for him and his history, and that's immensely moving. And I, I, so I'm really glad we sort of ended up at this. I mean, it's a nice sort of place to end. We've gone into the obviously away from the shallow waters of uh, things like <laughs> football hooliganism and the like to sort of more profound questions. But you know, it's nice to end up there in terms of looking forward because. I mean, that's. I think that's my one of my personal tips. I, I, I'm not resolved about it, but that's very much. I think I've just managed to enunciate partly the the thing that it, as we're going through like contemporary life at the moment, I myself am all constantly struggling with, which is I feel like a sense of agreeing with the broad thrust of many things, but feeling like the language that's being used feels somehow. Yeah. I feel alienated by it, and um, and I feel it seems to have an alienating effect and isn't doing what we want it to do broadly in terms of bringing people together. And like that feels like a big challenge. You know, how do you address? It? I don't know what the answers to that yet are actually, or maybe the answers is you know looking for those individualized experiences and listening to them. Um, maybe that's what you have to do. I don't know entirely. If I had the answer, I wouldn't be wittering on in circles like this. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, to see Bob's book point, I think that's the uh, that's the idea. Um, roll tide, roll tide, roll tide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To wrap up, we will at some point in time soon. Hopefully, talk to Isted. 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 Say it out um, loud. Say it if you dare. And then, 
Uh, go. Uh, this is today is Wednesday, February twenty first. Oh yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, uh, wink, nudge. Wink, nudge. Know what I mean? <laughs> uh, this Friday, the twenty third, our good friends Lolan Hum will Woo! be at the Warsaw in Brooklyn, See opening that. up for the Oh Hellos, oh, the Oh Hellos, um, and then. <laughs> They're not going to be opening up for the Broadway play starring Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, the band, the Oh Hellos. Um, so it'll be good. Uh, go check it out on lowlandhum.com. Uh, check them out at lowlandhum on the Instagram. And uh, you can, if you have any questions or any comments or concerns or anything along those lines, you can get at us on uh, email, fireskatepod at gmail.com. On Instagram and Twitter at Firescape Pod, the Firescape and Firescape artists uh, on Facebook. You can find me Coulter Longshore at Coulter Levi on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me Pete at uh, Buttermilk underscore Pete on the Instagram, and I don't tweet her. I don't like it. You don't Scary. like it, and you can't find me. That's what mm-hmm. I'm gonna say. <laughs> you can't find me. I'm very easily to find. I'm just you can't find me on the social medias. Alas, yeah. Alas, alike. If you want to, as per usual, if you want to talk to Howell, send us an email. Yes. Talk to me. Talk to me, people. Actually, you know, like, heads up, just quickly before we end. I am actually heading. <coughs> I'm heading down to Birmingham to uh, see through this uh, great burden, as I call it, <laughs> the, right. uh, the project. Um, to, I have a deadline for the summer to write a draft of this play, so I will be in Alabama for probably the whole of April, maybe a little bit of May, and you know, you, beyond you that, can I find them sitting at the Revelator Coffee Shop on Third yeah. Avenue North. Right? Yeah, so I will actually be in Birmingham, and uh, you know, anyone who's listening to that, listening to us uh, in Birmingham, will be. I think looking forward, we're going to be trying to do some... Obviously, we'll be doing episodes with me being down there and you guys being up here and hopefully finding some people in Birmingham on these subjects, particularly the, the last thing we were talking about, I think, ideas around all those things. Um, so, yeah, let us know. I mean, I'll be down there. Say hi. As Colt said, you'll probably find me in the Revelator doing my doing my paperwork in, on a morning. Very true. And uh, and elsewhere, roundabout. But um, do I'll probably, I'm going to be there from the beginning of April. So um, do get in contact. Oh, yeah. Say hi. It'd be nice to say hi to anybody because now Coulter, the sea bob, is no longer present. Um, my, uh, my, my friends and family in the Birmingham are only a little bit depleted. Obviously, the venerable Glenny Brock and Bradford Daly are still there. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Big up to them, and uh, I know they're listening. But anyone else, any newcomers, newcomers, say hi to me. I am the newcomer, of course. I mean, um, <laughs> old timies, old timers of the Birmingham, please say hi. Oldie timey. It'd be great to Everybody. sit on a porch and do some porch talking. Sounds good. Yes, sir. Everybody, you know, just have a good, uh, have a good week. Hope you had a good President's Day weekend, and. Uh, you know, February's almost over. Hang in there, guys. That's right. Bye. See you. Bye. What's wrong with the beer we got? I mean, the beer we got drank pretty good, don't it? The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. 
The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'.